Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Good morning. It is Wednesday, February 21st. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun clouds today warmer than it has been. The high going to be 42. Tonight, overnight, some clouds. They hang around low 31. And then Thursday, mostly cloudy, high 44. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 21 partly cloudy on Shelter Island out on Long Island. It is 28 and partly cloudy in Wildwood down to the Jersey Shore. And it is 29 and clear outside our Midtown studios. A whole lot to get to as we work our way up. Six o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning was watching the videotape this morning when I walked in. Well, videotape, but the tape of this uh, plane that landed on the Southern State Parkway yesterday on Long Island. Pretty wild moment. This uh, Piper PA-28 Landing at exit 33, that's in East Farmingdale. This was about noon yesterday. Now, if you're not really familiar with Long Island, which, you know, if you live in New Jersey, you might not be, or Connecticut, Southern State Parkway is one of the more crowded roadways in the tri-state. So this flight took off from Republic Airport. It was about 10 a.m. yesterday. was attempting to return to the airport after the pilot reported engine failure. This is what it sounded like, the talk between the pilot and air traffic control. Our 667's got an engine failure, putting it down the highway. 667, roger. 667, uh, if you need to go on the highway, that's fine. If you can make it to the runway, that's improved as well. Yeah, that, it's almost worth listening to that a second time, how calm everybody is. It's the pilot telling the air control, air traffic control people, that he's not sure if he's going to make it back to the airport and wants to land maybe on the highway, and he's giving the thumbs up to do so. Our 667's got an engine failure. Put it down the highway. 667, Roger. 667, uh, if you need to go on the highway, that's fine. If you can make it to the runway, that's improved as well. Yeah, this is the reason I am not an air traffic controller, because I'd be like, what? <laughs> you know, but uh, this small plane crashed on the eastbound carriageway of the Southern State Parkway. The plane had two on board. It could be seen flying low over Suffolk County until it made this emergency crash landing on the highway. Everybody's okay, like very minor injuries. We received calls to uh, Troop L Communications that a plane had crashed on the Southern State Parkway uh, eastbound in the vicinity of the exit 33 exit ramp. And sure enough, when Suffolk County cops arrived, there was the plane, didn't hit anybody on the ground. Both of the occupants taken to the hospital. Both people suffered what we believe to be minor non-life-threatening injuries, and they've been transported to local hospitals. So a stretch of the road was shut down for a while to give crews an opportunity to remove the plane, again, causing nightmare traffic-wise. But there were a lot of 
eyewitnesses because, as I mentioned, Southern State Parkway is one of those crowded roadways almost no matter when you go on it on Long Island. That was crazy. Like, I've only heard about that, like, online. I've never seen something like that in person. It's very, very concerning that it's, you know, good thing nobody got hurt. And, and off main highway, so it could have hit the cars. Yeah, it makes me sick. I'm just, I'm just glad everybody's okay, you know? Yeah, that's the good news. Everybody okay? FAA and TSB, they're all going to investigate exactly what took place. But the good news is everybody just fine. Do we have a serial killer running around or did we have a serial killer running around? That's the question of being asked today. A man wanted in the brutal murder of a Queens woman at a Soho hotel under arrest in Arizona, where he's accused in two recent stabbings. The NYPD chief of detectives, Joseph Kenny, says video witnesses and credit card tracking helped them link to 26 year old Rod Almasori. And uh, he's connected to this February 8th murder of Denise Arabia at the Soho 54 Hotel. This was the woman that was found uh, in her room lying on the ground, a iron nearby. She clearly had been bashed in the head. And police, for at least until yesterday, had not sure who had carried out this crime. But now they say they've caught this guy who may have done the same thing to other women. All these women allegedly escorts. The medical examiner's officer office later determined his death was caused by blunt force trauma to the head. A broken iron was recovered at the scene and recovered bits of plastic that were found embedded inside of her skull. And Kenny, working with the police in Arizona, says he's also suspected this guy, Al Mansori, in the attacks of women, many of them escorts in Florida, as well as Arizona, where he told cops... He was wanted for murder in New York City. Authorities working to extradite him back now here to New York. They're urging, of course, anybody who has any other information on him to come forward. Through video canvases, witness interviews, phone work, and tracking credit card usage, they were able to identify and obtain probable cause on our subject. He is Rod Noan Alman Sore. While in the custody of Arizona law enforcement, he informs them that he is wanted for homicide in New York City and tells the cops that they should Google Soho 54 Hotel. And apparently, at least the pictures that the New York Post had, he was wearing the pants that the woman had on at the time of the crime inside the Soho Hotel. So some creepy stuff. My guess is this story will get a little bit larger as the days goes on. They've connected them potentially to two other escort murders. But this story sounding awfully like the Gilgo Beach murder case with Rex Hewerman who is allegedly tied to the four murders of escorts on Long Island. This guy sounds sort of creepy in the exact same way. We'll follow the story, of course, as more details come into us. WABC News Time 508. Let's go down to Texas. The search day search for a missing Texas girl coming to a tragic end. The body of 11-year-old Audrey Cunningham found yesterday in a river not far from her suburban Houston home. My heart aches with this news. And I express with my deepest sympathies and condolences to everyone who knew, who cared for, and loved Audrey. Puck County Sheriff Brian Lyons there says it was video and cell phone evidence that led them to Cunningham's body. The last person to see her alive was a family friend who's now under arrest. His name is Don McGoogle. The Sheriff's Office, we will continue to process the evidence that has been gathered to ensure justice for Audrey. This guy, Don McDougal, lived behind the family's home. He's facing capital murder charges now. The DA says the death penalty's on the table. He clearly, well, they say, he clearly knew where the body was for all of the six days and 
asked Intel authorities. There was evidence that we was collecting through the cell phone analysis as well as through our videos that we were able to collect. Of course, the end that nobody wanted, but lots of people thought was coming. 509 while we're in Texas, American Airlines going to raise the fee for checking a bag by five bucks. A lot of people really angry about this because just each year gets a little bit more to check that piece of luggage. First bag for domestic flights will now cost 35 bucks if the flight is booked online or $40 if you pay for it at the airport. Uh, you, know, you can always bring the carry-on, but sometimes you need a little more luggage. So this definitely can impact not only just the average consumer wallet, but it really hits home for families that are traveling with multiple bags. That's uh, was Going.com travel spokesperson Kathy Nastro there. The airline says the cost of fuel is a big factor behind the increase, so they put the cost in place. They say, look, hey, if you can get the carry-on on, you can save some money, but you put in something underneath the plane, you're going to pay you a little bit more for it now. Boy, the rain has not stopped out in California. They're just getting deluged. San Diego, seeing more rain today. There's been heavy flooding. Uh, there's been people who've had to been rescued from their homes. They've never seen rain like this, at least not in recent years. We've seen a lot of rain this morning and early this afternoon. It's been widespread. It's been mainly light, though, but it has accumulated in North County up around a half inch of rain, South County around a quarter inch of rain. So the issue here is that it has rained a lot over the last couple of weeks. The water tables can't take a whole lot more. The rain will continue on and off light through the afternoon, including the commute. We are looking for some heavier rain to come in tonight, probably when most people are sleeping just after midnight. Falls apart pretty quick after sunrise tomorrow. We'll see a few showers in the morning during 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. commute. But after 9 a.m., it really falls apart and tapers off. So we really don't see much activity for tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, there's just millions of people across California under a flood watch again this morning. 5-11, the uh, State Department defending a memo urging staffers to use gender-neutral language now. It's a standard government practice to try to encourage people just to be respectful of others and use the terms with which others are comfortable and talk to people the way that they would like to be addressed. State Department spokesman Matthew Miller there talking to reporters. The memo intended to encourage people to be more respectful of others and use terms which others are comfortable with. He says while the memo had Secretary of State Antony Blinken's name on it, it didn't all come from him himself. They all come out with the Secretary's signature on it. That tends to be standard department practice, has been for uh, years. It doesn't mean that it's a necessarily a memo from the Secretary himself. Yeah, so this recent memo urging staffers to steer clear of gendered language when possible, such as brave men and women of the front lines and instead use phrases as brave first responders or brave soldiers. The guidance also reportedly runs through a list of gendered phrases that departments say should be avoided, including manpower, you guys, and ladies and gentlemen. Over to Kansas at 512, police in or Missouri, I should say. Police in Kansas City announcing charges in the Super Bowl parade shooting. Jackson County Prosecutor Gene Peters Baker laying out the charges against two adults. Murder in the second degree, felony murder. Again, the underlying felony for that felony murder is the unlawful use of a weapon. And that is an A felony carrying to a range up to a life sentence in the state of Missouri. The two men charged had no prior history. One person died in the shooting. 22 were hurt in that parade. We seek to hold every shooter accountable for their actions on that day. Every single one. Both men had bonds of $1 million. Now, in addition, two teens face gun-related charges. This was all apparently some fight that 
took part and ended at the end of the parade and had nothing to do with the parade itself. The president, uh, former president, Donald Trump, taking to Fox News last night, town hall from South Carolina, of course, South Carolina primary, is this Saturday. The former president continues to make comparisons between the death of Alexei Navalny and his own legal troubles. During this Fox News town hall in South Carolina last night, Trump said the death of the Russian opposition leader was a horrible thing, but claimed it's happening in our own country, too. It is a form of Navalny. It is a form of uh, communism or fascism. When asked about the civil fraud trial verdict ordering him to pay $355 million, Trump called it a form of Navalny. However, he refused to answer whether he sees himself as a potential political prisoner. He also then went after Nikki Haley, who says he says should have dropped out of the race months ago. And she's here. She's down by 30, 35 points. And everybody knows her. You're not supposed to lose your home state. Shouldn't happen anyway. And she's losing it big, big. Trump says that candidates should not be trailing in their home state. Nikki Haley, though, vowing to stay in the race for president. I'm willing to take the cuts, the bruises, and the name-calling, because the only way you get to the blessing is by going through the pain. During a campaign event in South Carolina yesterday, Haley says she'll stay in the race no matter the outcome of the South Carolina primary, which does not look promising for her. South Carolina will vote on Saturday, but on Sunday... I'll still be running for president. I'm not going anywhere. People have a right to have their voices heard. And they deserve a real choice, not a Soviet-style election where there's only one candidate and he gets 99% of the vote. Polls, of course, have consistently shown the former U.N. ambassador trailing Donald Trump by just a huge margin. And in a moment, Nikki Haley got teary on the campaign trail. We'll get into that in a moment. But first, 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Good morning. Happy Hump Day, Justin Ellis. Good morning. Happy Hump Day to you as well. Noam Elena. We'll get to our triple header here on the ice. Last night with all three local teams returning to action. At the Garden, Igor Shosturkin made 41 saves. He's on his head. And the Rangers beat the Dallas Stars 3-1 to for their eighth straight win last night. Adam Fox, Capocacco, and Vincent Trocek scored for the Rangers. Trocek had that empty netter at the end there. In a matchup that consisted of two division leaders, the Rangers are 9-1-1 in their last 11 contests. They were coming off that dramatic 6-5 to overtime win against the Isles in their outdoor game on Sunday at MetLife. Shesterkin improved to 23-12-1 and has allowed two or fewer goals in 17 of his wins. The Rangers have won four of their last five games against Dallas. The last time they had a winning streak of eight or more games was during the 2015-2016 season. We know how that season turned out for the Blue Shirts when they won nine straight. The franchise record is 10, accomplished in 1939, 1940, and 1972-73. to Out in Pittsburgh, Adam Pellick won it uh, with a wrist shot from the slot 57 seconds into OT to give the Isles a 5-4 to win over the skidding Pittsburgh Penguins. Pellick's 26th career goal in 473 ga- uh, career games helped the Isles escape with two valuable points. New York moved within four points of the second wild card in the Eastern Conference after improving to 4-3-3 three, and three since uh, Patrick Waugh replaced Lynn Lambert as head coach a month ago. Brock Nelson scored his 24th goal of the season for New York. Barzal, Holmstrom, uh, and Riley also scored for the Islanders. He leaves Sorokin beaten soundly in his first two games against Pittsburgh this season. He stopped 37 shots in route to the win. Finally, the Devils were the only local squad to end up on the losing end of things, getting pounded by a score of 6-2 to 
to the Capitals in D.C. New Jersey remains four points back of the second and final wildcard spot in that Eastern Conference and trail third place Philadelphia by five points after losing 11 of their past 18 games. They have 27 left here in the regular season to try and complete a return to the big dance. Well, that's plenty of time, no? Oh, uh, well. Plenty of games. You know, I'd say uh, it dwindles quickly. Yeah, 27, though, that's a lot. Yeah, but it goes quick, no? It does. And, my God, it's already February 21st. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm Justin Ellick, and that's sports uh, on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 519. Nikki Haley, overcome with emotion yesterday, she discussed her husband's military service. I wish Michael was here today, and I wish our children, and I could see him tonight, but we can't. During a rally in her home state of South Carolina, Haley noted her husband, Michael, is currently deployed in Africa. He stepped up to keep us safe. And not just us. He stepped up to defend our nation's freedom and our way of life. Her comments come after Donald Trump had lobbed some personal attacks against Haley and her husband. Where conflict is the norm. Where terrorists hide among the innocent. Where Iran's terrorist proxies are now attacking American troops. She went on to say she's incredibly proud of her husband's service. 520 down to Texas, the fate of a new Texas law, which allows local cops to arrest anyone they believe crossed the border illegally, is now in the hands of a federal judge. Supporters say it's needed to address a surge of illegal immigration there. The federal government, which should be the first line of defense in our nation and our states, has abdicated its responsibility. Celine Rodriguez there with the Texas Public Policy Foundation shrugging off allegations that the law is unconstitutional. We have the power to exclude people who don't have the right to be here, and that's already ingrained in federal law. She says the state wouldn't have to do this if the federal government just enforced the laws that are already on the books. Why isn't the federal government prioritizing our nation's national security and the safety of our citizens? It's likely this legal challenge could end up before the high court. In San Diego, the San Diego County Supervisor Jim Desmond says the number of people crossing the border into San Diego has doubled since September, including a large number of Chinese migrants. If they came from China or they came from other parts of the world, from India, we don't have the capability of screening those people or their backgrounds or if there's any criminal activity in their background from where they came from. And Congressman Daryl Issa visiting the Haikamba crossing yesterday where people are now coming across the border into San Diego. Governor Abbott, simply by making it seem like they were not wanted in Texas, has caused a shift of people coming to Arizona and California because they're welcome here by their governor. And he says that's just a huge problem. He could do remain in Mexico. As a matter of fact, he could say to Mexico, I don't want to offend you, but these people are already in your country and under asylum rules. You get them first. We don't even have to consider them at the border. And the congressman says the president, President Biden, has the power to stop all this. You do not have the right to claim asylum if you enter illegally. You have to present yourself at the port of entry. Less than 10 percent of these people are presenting themselves at the port of entry. He already has the authority to limit it because there's an emergency. He could declare that until we process eight out of nine million people already here, that he can't take more. 522, let's talk about the president for a moment. President Biden has new sanctions, has new sanctions against Russia will likely come next week. What I came to tell you was, I told you we'd be announcing sanctions on Russia. 
We'll have a major package announced on Friday. The move is in response to the death of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny. White House National Security Spokesman John Kirby told reporters that the sanctions are aimed at holding Russia accountable for Navalny's death and for actions over the course of the war in Ukraine. Navalny's mother, by the way, filing a lawsuit just a moment ago asking that Russian authorities give her son's body back to her uh, immediately. Meanwhile, the U.S. pushing for a temporary ceasefire in Gaza that includes the release of hostages held by Hamas. This has been a matter that we have been pursuing for some time, trying to get a temporary ceasefire in exchange for a release of hostages and something we think is critical to try to achieve and we'll continue to focus on. State Department spokesman Matthew Miller telling reporters an unconditional pause in fighting that doesn't include the release of hostages only benefits Hamas. There was a vote in the U.N. yesterday against uh, Israel and stopping the war, an immediate ceasefire, the U.S. vetoing the resolution at the United Nations that called for that immediate ceasefire will not bring about a durable peace instead it could extend the fighting between hamas and israel u.s ambassador linda thomas greenfield says the resolution would negatively impact sensitive negotiations to free hostages belt held by hamas that's why she voted no we believe that the resolution on the table right now would in fact negatively impact those negotiations and that Hamas Israel war just impacting a lot of things in the Middle East. The European Union now launching a mission to protect global shipping in the Red Sea after recent attacks by Houthi rebels in Yemen. Gliles Gibson correspondent says France, Italy, several other member states have confirmed their navies will now deploy ships as part of this mission. Since last autumn, Houthi rebels have been attacking cargo vessels passing through the Red Sea with rockets and drones. And just this week, the crew of a British-registered vessel were forced to abandon ship off the coast of Yemen after another missile attack. However, the EU is clear that this mission only has a defensive mandate. That's in contrast to the US and UK, which have launched retaliatory strikes on Houthi targets inside Yemen itself. Giles Gibson, Rome. WABC News on 524, WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange going to hear this week whether the UK can deport him to the US to face espionage charges. Correspondent Stuart Smith says Assange's wife notes that he won't survive the process, claiming he's physically and mentally extremely weak after almost five years in prison. If the court rules he cannot appeal in the UK, he has one more hope, an appeal to the European Court of Human Rights for an emergency injunction. Assange is wanted in the US because he published hundreds of thousands of classified documents, an act which the US Justice Department says was illegal. WikiLeaks says it's a political prosecution because his disclosures revealed politically sensitive and embarrassing material and exposed criminal wrongdoing by the US military. All right, let's bring it back home, go up to Boston, a grassroots group calling for the city of Boston to pay $15 billion in reparations for slavery. The Reverend Kevin Peterson, he's the founder of the New Democracy Coalition, is among a number of black leaders advocating for the move. We demand from Mayor Wu full monetary compensation for wages and lost lives through slavery and anti-black institutional oppression. The Boston People's Reparations Commission said over the weekend that it would include $5 billion in direct cash payments to black Boston residents, another $5 billion to invest in new financial institutions, 
and yet another $5 billion to address what they call the racial education gap. The city is responsible to pay back the wealth that they extracted free of charge from other human beings who died at some point in the labor for the city. The city has a reparation task force which is working on a study on the legacy of slavery in Boston. The TV streaming platform Fubo is uh, suing Disney, Fox, Warner Brothers, Discovery in response to a planned joint streaming service. A lawsuit filed in New York claims the three companies have a long-running pattern of engaging in anti-competitive practices. Fubo offers sports-focused packages of live TV channels and says Disney, Fox, and Warner Brothers creating a combined sports streaming service will eliminate competition in the market. I'm Brian Shook. Starbucks launching a new drink in China to celebrate the Lunar New Year. The beverage mixes the unusual combination of Dongpo braised pork flavor sauce with espresso and steamed milk. Dubbed the Abundant Year Savory Latte, the drink is garnished with extra pork sauce drizzle and pork breast meat on top. (laughs) The Shanghai Starbucks Reserve Roastery says eating meat means prosperity in the New Year, adding that the drink brings traditional New Year customs into coffee. Nika McGulhis, NBC News Radio. Do you put sweet and low on that? That sounds awful. The opening bell, it rings this morning on Wall Street. After a lower close, yesterday kicked off the holiday shortened week. Tech shares slid with Apple, Microsoft, Meta, each losing nearly 1%. Discover shares, they surged, though, 14% a day after Capital One announced it would acquire the credit card lender in a $35 billion all-stock deal. At the closing bell, the Dow lost 64 points. S&P 500 shed 30. The Nasdaq fell 144 points. Later today, we're going to get details on the Fed's January meeting minutes and then earning results from NVIDIA and Rivian Automotive. They're also due today. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 532. Good morning. It is Wednesday, February 21st. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun, clouds today. Warmer than it has been, high 42. Tonight, overnight, some clouds. They hang around low 31. And then Thursday, mostly cloudy, high 44. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 21, partly cloudy on Shelter Island out on Long Island. It's 28, partly cloudy in Wildwood down the Jersey Shore. And it is 29 and clear outside our Midtown studios. We'll start this half hour right here in Manhattan. The mother of a 15-year-old Manhattan boy who died subway surfing, filing a lawsuit now against TikTok, Meta, and the MTA. Norma Nazario says social media and the MTA failed her son. Nazario's son, Zachary, died February 20th of last year while subway surfing on a Brooklyn-bound J train over the Williamsburg Bridge. fell over, went under the train, train ran him over. So a low beam struck Zachary in the head, causing him to fall between the subway cars. He was then run over by the train. I mean, just a gruesome way to go. His uh, friends uh, say that the anniversary of his death brings back some bad memories. Well, I got in the text that he had passed that night, and I remember running out of my house and screaming at the top of my lungs. It was horrifying to hear that my best friend has passed away from something so stupid as this um, that night 
will be stuck in my, my head forever. So now the family has filed a lawsuit. It's awfully interesting. Matthew Bergman, he is the founding attorney of the Social Media Victims Law Center, which is pursuing hundreds of similar lawsuits against the social media giants. He lays out the one that they're filing here. Zachary has some responsibility, too. We're not, no one is saying that, that there was not shared fault here. But Zachary was uh, addicted to social media by design uh, and affirmatively directed to challenge videos encouraging subway surfing. So Bergman says the algorithms on the social media platforms kept feeding Zachary subway surfing videos. Nazario also suing the MTA for not locking the subway doors, which allowed Zachary to climb atop the subway train. The MTA pushing back, saying we've told people over and over again not to top, uh, climb the top of trains, that surf, subway surfing does not end well for many people who try it, and they've told people forever not to do it. Now, where this lawsuit goes in terms of the case of the MTA, maybe not so far, but in terms of going after the social media platforms that are addicting kids in some cases who can't handle this. Uh, it'll be awfully interesting to watch where this case goes. Five days after a judge ordered former President Trump to pay $354 million in his civil fraud case, New York Attorney General Letitia James talking to ABC News that she's prepared to seize the former president's assets if he's unable to find the cash to cover the fine. Trump was fined $354 million plus approximately $100 million in prejudgment interest on Friday after a judge determined that he inflated his net worth in order to get more favorable loans. So now uh, the uh, attorney general, state attorney general, says, uh, well, maybe state taxpayers might own some of Trump's buildings to pay off that judgment. If he does not have funds uh, to pay off the judgment, uh, then we will seek... uh, you know, judgment enforcement mechanisms in court, and we will ask the judge to seize his assets. And so at the end of the day, how he pays for the judgment is really not my business. At the end of the day, he is responsible and liable for $363 million plus $100 million in interest. So the former president has denied all wrongdoing, said he will appeal this case, saying that uh, he's confident with the strength of the appeal. James, though, reiterating that her office would not hesitate to seize one of Trump's buildings. She even listed Trump's 40 Wall Street skyscraper by name. She says if Trump is unable to find the money to pay what uh, she says is owed, she said the city or the state could take ownership of some of those buildings. WABC News Time 538. Let's go up to New Rochelle. A New Rochelle City Council meeting nearly full last night as the council discussed whether or not an Israeli flag should be flying outside City Hall. It was packed house with members of the community, some of them waving the Israeli flag in solidarity after word got out that members of the council were discussing removing the flag from City Hall. I still do not understand why my fellow council members thought it was important to remove the flag so abruptly and secretly. So that flag went up in the days and weeks after the October 7th massacre last week. There was this really sort of contentious meeting with speaker after speaker uh, talking about flying the flag. Some of them say it was in feds. It is divisive. It is illegal. 
and therefore it must come down. Is it in solidarity with innocent victims? If so, why are we not flying the flag of Palestinian, of the Palestinians for the 30,000 innocent civilians that have been murdered since October? But when the meeting ended, Yadira Ramos-Herbert, she's the mayor of uh, New Rochelle, says uh, she's been to Israel and she acknowledged that the city has no policy on flags and says that the Israeli flag will continue to fly. I do apologize for the clunkiness of the lack of a policy for causing any sense of not feeling safe or welcomed in, in our one. So it seems like they need to come up with some sort of policy. The council voted unanimously to keep the Israeli flag up until February 27th, when it then will be replaced with the Pan-African flag. A ceremony for that transition will take place on that day. Down to New Jersey, Newark Mayor Ross Baraka announced on Monday that he's running for governor. And then yesterday he went down to South Jersey, where he may not be well known like he is in the northern part of the state, laying out some of his vision for New Jersey. He spoke at Rowan University. I was born for these storms and I was born for this time. And so as this race goes on, New Jersey is never, ever going to be the same. No matter what happens in the end, you mark my words, the state will never be the same because Raz Baraka announced that he's running for governor in the state of New Jersey. Baraka speaking in front of some college students, local members of the South Jersey community. I think the things that we're thinking about trying to accomplish are big things. And I'm excited about having the opportunity to talk about those things on a larger stage, to get more people involved in it, to raise issues that I don't think will be raised if I wasn't in a campaign. The mayor touching on a bunch of topics, affordable housing, transportation, uh, his political ambitions. We're going to have small meetings and basements and backyards and do the things that's necessary to get voters to know me so I can know them and their issues. Baraka now the third declared candidate for the Democratic nomination, joining Jersey City Mayor Stephen Fulop and former state president Steve Sweeney. The state's next gubernatorial election is November of 2025. Let's bring it back into the city of 541. One person under arrest in a major brawl between migrants and cops outside of the city's tent shelter on Randall's Island. Police say it started when a man not registered to stay at the facility was asked to leave and started fighting with security. And anytime you have uh, 3,000 people who are placed in an environment that they cannot work, uh, they have to sit around all day. Uh, you know, things like this have the potential to happen. Mayor Adams commenting after he was asked about the incident. He says they're reviewing it all. Video shows people staying at the shelter in this large scuffle with officers as police tried to apprehend one of the men. Nobody was injured. Uh, but the police officers went in. They carried out their job. They used the minimum amount. Uh, a force uh, to uh, take the person into custody. Now everybody going to take a look at this video a little closer to see if any arrests should be made. And we're going to do a review um, because of that video. We're going to be a review, do a review of some of the actions we want to take because I have to make sure our police department is safe and those residents who are there are also safe. While we're talking about the mayor held a press conference yesterday where he further outlined these plans to provide migrant families with prepaid cards to buy food. Mayor Adams says the program is being tested out with 500 migrant families before they reevaluate it all. We're going to expand it if we're successful. 
because we got to find successful ways of bringing down the cost and dealing with this crisis that taxpayers should not be paying. So food waste apparently is a huge issue, and so they want to bring down the cost of the migrant crisis, aiming to cut about 20%. So if this $53 million program is approved, the city says it could save millions, about $7 million in all, on food alone for the migrants. The maximum that would go to Mochify is about $2 million, all of the balance of the, the, the resources that the potential resources on the contract would, in fact, go to uh, the families to buy food and baby supplies. So- if we just sit back and just state we're going to uh, just allow people to be here forever and just continue to hint taxpayers with dollars, not trying things new and different, we're not going to solve this problem. Yeah, he's pushing back. There's some people pretty angry about the fact that these prepaid cards are being handed out to the migrants. 544, a man's been arrested after police say he targeted and robbed and sometimes attacked senior citizens here in Manhattan, as many as five victims. Now uh, he thankfully is in custody. One of his victims was Ellie Collin, who is a senior citizen, was coming up the stairways of the subway station when she was attacked. And I was halfway up the steps when I felt jostled and held onto the railing. And somebody, I noticed, just put his hand in my pocketbook and took my wallet. She's talking to Eyewitness News there yesterday. The ordeal was scary for Colin, who reported the incident to police. But with all that's going on across the city, and for that matter, in the subway, she said she never thought that they would catch the man who robbed her. But here's the officers who did. Never in a million years. I thought, oh, my God, with all the things going on in this city right now, why in the world would anyone even care about a woman Wallet. Well, bring in NYPD Sergeant Juan Hernandez, Officer Jasmine Roman. They were patrolling the subways together when they saw this man and recognized him from the photographs. He saw he jumped a turnstile right in front of him and uh, they busted. It was very important to us because, um, you know, this person was uh, targeting uh, elderly out there. So um, we it was a priority to us to get this, this, this individual. Once we approached him, we realized, oh, this is the same guy that, we, that we've been looking for. So uh, immediately we uh, we uh, placed him on the arrest. Yeah, those eagle-eyed cops making the arrest, this creep off the street. Uh, Colin says she was shocked that they caught this guy, so she wrote them a thank you note, and they were pretty shocked to get that thank you note. We don't see that often, so um, that's one that's going to stand out for my career, you know, later on. It's something that I'm going to always look back on. And to actually meet her face-to-face, it was really special. Um, she's she's an amazing lady, so I'm really happy that we were able to help her out. Yeah, nice job done by those transit cops, and nice job done by the woman who thanked them. 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk, where we find Justin Ellick. Thank you, Noah Malin. We'll get to our triple header on the ice last night. All three local teams back at it at the Garden. Igor Shosturkin, I should say. He was on fire, made 41 saves, and the Rangers beat the Dallas Stars 3-1 to for their eighth straight win. Adam Fox, Capococco, and Vincent Trocek scored for the Rangers in a matchup that consisted of two division leaders. The Rangers are 9-1-1 in their last 11. They were coming off that dramatic 6-5 to overtime win against the Isles in their outdoor game on Sunday at MetLife. Shosturkin improved to 23-12-1 and, and has allowed two or fewer goals in 17 of his wins this year, the Rangers have won four of their last five games against the Stars. The last time they had a winning streak of eight or more games was during the 2015-16 season. That year they went to the Cup uh, when they won nine straight. The franchise record is 10, accomplished in 1939, 1940, and 1972-73. to 73. Out in Pittsburgh, Adam Pellick won it with a wrist shot from the slot 
just under a minute into overtime to give the Islanders a 5-4 to four win over the skidding Pittsburgh Penguins. Pellock's 26th career goal in 473 career games helped the Islanders escape with two valuable points. New York moved within four points at the second wild card in the Eastern Conference after improving to 4-3-3 three, and three since Patrick Waugh replaced Lane Lambert as head coach a month ago. Brock Nelson scored his 24th goal of the season for New York. Barzal uh, Holmstrom and Riley also scored for the Islanders. Ilya Sorokin beaten soundly in his first two games against Pittsburgh this season. He stopped 37 shots and wraps to the win. Finally, the Devils were the only local squad to end up on the losing end of things, getting pounded by a score of 6-2 to two to the Capitals in D.C. New Jersey remains four points back of uh, the second and final wildcard spot in the Eastern Conference. And trail third place Philadelphia by five points after losing 11 of their past 18. They have 27 games left in the regular season to complete uh, their hopeful return to the playoffs. That's Sports No, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Let's catch up on some of the big stories of the morning. This wild one out on Long Island, a single-engine plane landing on the eastbound lanes of the Southern State Parkway on Long Island yesterday. A really well-traveled, busy highway. This Piper PA-28 landing at exit 33. That's East Farmingdale. It was about noon yesterday. Did not hit anybody. Landed fine. The people on board okay. The flight had taken off from Republic Airport. Was attempting to return to the airport because the pilot had engine failure. Here's what it sounded like when he radioed to air traffic controllers to tell him he was having issues and he might have to land on the highway. Our 667 got an engine failure. Put it down the highway. 667, Roger. 667, uh, if you need to go on the highway, that's fine. If you can make it to the runway, that's improved as well. Yeah, very calm, right? The small plane crashed on the eastbound carriageway of the Southern State Parkway. The plane, two occupants, they could be seen flying low over Suffolk County until they made that emergency, essentially crash landing on the highway. We received calls to uh, Troop L Communications that a plane had crashed on the Southern State Parkway uh, eastbound in the vicinity of the exit 33 exit ramp. Those are the Suffolk County cops who raced to the scene to make sure everybody was okay. EMTs, too. They rushed both of the occupants, the pilot and the passenger, to local hospitals. Both people suffered what we believe to be minor non-life-threatening injuries, and they've been transported to local hospitals. Yeah, everybody okay, so we like that ending. A stretch of the road, of course, shut down to give crews an opportunity to remove the plane. That snarled traffic for the afternoon or into the afternoon rush. Uh, The people who saw this all, because there was a lot of people on the roadway at the time the plane missed everybody they said it was amazing that was crazy like i've only heard about that like online i've never seen something like that in person it's very very concerning that it's you know good thing nobody got hurt and, and off a main highway so it could have hit the cars yeah it makes me sick i'm just i'm just glad everybody's okay you know yeah. good thing faa ntsb going to investigate but it just sounds like exactly what it was engine problems the man wanted in the brutal murder of a woman at a soho hotel under arrest in Arizona, where he's accused in two other stabbings. NYPD chief of detectives, Joseph Kenny, says video, witnesses, credit card tracking, that all helped them link 26-year-old Rod Almansori to the February 8th of Denise Arakabaya at the Soho 54 Hotel. The medical exam- this is the woman, by the way. You might remember this story. She was found in her hotel room, uh, been smashed in the skull with an iron. The medical examiner's officer office later determined this death was caused by blunt force trauma to the head. A broken iron was recovered at the scene, 
and recovered bits of plastic that were found embedded inside of her skull. So Kenny says this guy, also suspected in the attacks of other women, many of them escorts. This woman, in the case of the Soho Hotel, allegedly an escort as well, wanted in Florida, Arizona. Apparently, he had been taken in for another crime and then admitted to the one in New York. Through video canvases, witness interviews, phone work, and tracking credit card usage, they were able to identify and obtain probable cause on our subject. He is Rod Noan Alman Sore. While in the custody of Arizona law enforcement, he informs them that he is wanted for homicide in New York City and tells the cops that they should Google Soho 54 Hotel. He sounds a little bit like a Rex Heuerman case going after escorts, prostitutes, whatever you want to call them. More to the story, we don't know, but police investigating and see if he's linked to some other crimes as well. Down to Texas, where a sad end to the search for a missing girl. Six days they were searching for the body of 11-year-old Audrey Cunningham. It was found yesterday in a river not far from her suburban Houston home. My heart aches with this news. And I express with my deepest sympathies and condolences to everyone who knew, who cared for, and loved Audrey. Local sheriff down there says it was video and cell phone evidence that led them to Cunningham's body. The last person to see her alive was a family friend who is now under arrest. Don McDougall lived behind the family's home. He's facing capital murder charges now. The sheriff's office, we will continue to process the evidence that has been gathered to ensure justice for Audrey. Yeah, apparently, it's just mountains of evidence that points to this family friend who's in custody. There was evidence that we was collecting through the cell phone analysis as well as through our videos that we were able to collect. Yeah, sad ending to that story. 554, let's bring it back to New York. A slew of high-profile crimes in the city's subway system, leaving riders with a bunch of concerns. A lot of them say they're looking over their shoulder in a way they haven't done in a while. Why would anybody feel safe on the subway? As much as going on down here, it's a lot of crime right now. It's, it's scary. It's scary to come. It is what it is, you know. I have to come to work, so I have no choice. Now, latest attack happened Monday night on a Bronx subway. A man threw some sort of unknown substance at an MTA conductor. Then you had those guys. One guy was smashed over the head with a piece of metal. And Queens, you know, tourists from... Uh, from Spain who was slashed across the face. I mean, I could go on and on. Oh, let's not forget that musician who was playing the cello who was hit over the head with a thermos, a metal thermos. The NYPD saying, yeah, crime has gone up 22% on the subways just since January compared to January to this period last year. Because now you want to hurt people for their phones. You know, that's very scary that you could be just standing there waiting for the train and somebody come up to you and want to just punch you or whatever, you know. That's very scary. The majority of the people who are attacked have mental problems. Some are just criminals, you know, but you can tell the ones with mental issues, you just walk away from them. I think it's a mental health, lack of resources, and lack of affordable housing. And the NYPD pointed by the fact that they're actually making more arrests this year down below in the subways than they did last year. And the problem is that these creeps who are committing the crimes, uh, sometimes hours later, they're back out on the streets or down below in the subways to commit more crimes. So they say, hey, this has to be in conjunction with the DA, everybody else, to make sure that New Yorkers are safe when they ride the rails.